Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom is built for your psychology and your biology, meeting you where you are. Noom Weight uses psychology. That's why they say losing weight starts with your brain. But it also takes into account your unique biological factors, which also affect weight loss success. The program helps you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have cravings. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. Plus, check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available for pre-order wherever books are sold. Now entering Nerdist.com. Okay. Looks like we're recording now. God damn it. <laughs> Doug Benson, we've had the weirdest, most cursed. The, we actually recorded Doug one time before. Um, a few weeks ago. The file turned out weird. Um, Why'd you do it, Doug? And then we've gone, been through two computers and a different recording system that we could not. Uh, we were having problems with that, too. So now we're just recording on a, on a little, on my Zoom H2. So hopefully yeah. this sounds okay. Sounds fine. Well, as, as long as we all stare at it like this while talking. <laughs> we don't over. need to. <laughs> Doug. We yes. don't want to accidentally talk in the wrong direction. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Not to take all the fun out of it, Doug. It is. Yeah. It's omnidirectional. Oh, also this we're like a man with right four front men. Yeah. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I'll lean into it. And... Yeah. It makes me uncomfortable when dudes that are in the same band together get all in close like that when they're singing like when they share mic. share a mic. What about benefit concerts when they're all like it was like five of them on the What about back to back guitar soloing? Oh that's fine. That's well, if it's two dudes like touching backs, what's the point really? Is one gonna like flip over the other one or something? No, just like you know, rocking out could be so exhausting that you just what, need to what about, uh, uh, lean against What about band aids? Do they know it's Christmas where you're like, Are boy George Sting and Bono gonna kiss right now? Do you think they're gonna lean they in did and kiss? Just after the do, you think do you think they're gonna make out for Africa? <laughs> that's a new that's a new concert I'm going to make start. out for Africa make out for Africa it's just going to be me making out <laughs> it's about girls. time right I think so and there's another thing he's starting tantric for Africa tantric for Africa <laughs> I will not come until Africa is free yeah exactly <laughs> really yeah so you know 15 hours right isn't that his that's uh, what he his, says that's what he says 15 he can have sex for 15 hours does he ejaculate after 15 hours or is he just like well I'm done I don't know because I get bored of sex after about 15 minutes yeah, I think if that. 15 hours is not... I mean, anyone, anyone who's tried to have sex for like an hour straight, you kind of know. I mean, imagine, it's almost like 
It's almost like uh, water torture. Like you just keep rubbing yes. one area long <laughs> enough, and then yeah. you know it, it goes from pleasurable to. Do our listeners have sex? Yeah, I'm pretty sure at least some of them do. Uh, right. Well, I was thinking on, when I was driving over here that this is like an extra nerdy episode of Nerdist because we could not be doing this on a more beautiful day. Yeah. <laughs> well, me, I mean, like, it's gorgeous outside, and we're sitting in here. It's really hot outside, though. Yeah, to be fair, it's Matt really hot. It's hot, but it's still just beautiful. Matt and I were walking up, and we're like, "It's a really, it's a really nice day. Maybe we should do this uh, outside." And then uh, we're like, well, "There's no shade outside." Of this yeah. House, so. <laughs> no, seriously, though, it, we don't want the sun. Listen, three super white guys do not. We need to be in direct sunlight. No, no I, you know that's why I'm wearing the long sleeves even on a warm day like this. But I, I just, I just like it. And and that's what they do. Right before we start, right before we started, Jonah was asking me if uh, there was uh, any barbecues I was going to this weekend. I realized that they're probably happening now if there are any. Yeah. Yep. Well, you're, we're well, having we're having a mental barbecue yeah. of comedy. Yeah, with we'll comedy together, steaks. Together yeah. with Starbucks and sit at a dining room table and <laughs> yeah, talking to a microphone. Uh, well, our first uh, our first episode was on Super Bowl Sunday, so I guess it's fitting. You know, <laughs> well, you guys about always that. ignore big events. Are we yeah. not on not on purpose? We're just recording for the happens. Yeah, we're gonna record for July. Yeah, Fourth of July is such a like. I mean, I love the Yay America part of it, but the Fireworks are ne- don't change from year to year. They don't. Nobody really takes them up a notch. No. Barbecues don't change. The heat is the same usually. Although it's in California, it's often overcast. That's why we need to have Emeralds fireworks and barbecue spectacular. I and usually go up to the roof. Say, Bam <laughs> to the fireworks. I usually go up to the roof of my apartment building and watch all of them. Like I enjoy the neighborhood displays that are going on and the, the illegal see, fireworks, yeah, yeah. But then you can see like Santa Monica going. You can sometimes you can see uh, Dodger Stadium, yeah, yeah, and they cool. all look kind of the same, right? Yeah, yeah. like fireworks always look or beautiful and patriotic, whatever. Yeah. That was ex- patriotic though. I mean, they, they I, explode, I, don't know. I guess. I guess so like explosions. It's a Chinese tradition. It's what's Jonah. helped Let's us kill people war. Uh, through wars to <laughs> keep uh, our nation. These together. aren't killy explosions. These are pretty explosions. Have you seen like uh, like my uncle went like did a couple tours in Vietnam and like every uh, every time there was fireworks he would like oh, like man. end up like kind of just like grabbing someone's arm and like it was weird because he'd be watching it but then uh, for some reason one of them would just trigger something and then like he for would, some reason. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Maybe dogs being, really maybe being shot at. Dogs really hate it, the fireworks. Like, yes. That's one reason I'm like, why, why, if every dog in town is going to be nervous and shaking all night long, that's not a, we should just go ahead and not have fireworks. You give some, you give a dog some bad, bad drill, them. actually. Yeah. That's why I got a, I got a fireworks terrier. He, uh, he actually likes fireworks <laughs> well, they himself. Can't, they can't get used to it because it happens for them every seven years. It's not that's true. Yeah yeah, 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 their independence is a little bit. Well, actually, to be, to be fair, do, dogs know. are not free yet. They have not been liberated, <laughs> so they don't have an independence day of any kind. We Oof. still, we still. Still them. dominate them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They love it. Stupid dog. <laughs> My roommate just went to uh, to China. Went to a bunch of different like small villages and stuff like that, and said uh, that uh, dog is still a prevalent item on the uh, on the menus out there nice. in small villages. But they don't say what kind of dog. They just say no. dog. Yeah, they just say dog. Uh, but like, I guess what's happening is that. Owning a dog is becoming like a sign of uh, like affluence and power because oh. you don't have to eat it. 
Yeah, exactly. But if, so, if shit goes down, you 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 have something. You have it there. That's there. Yeah. Right to have now. a portly dog that means. I'm gonna get some. <laughs> I'm gonna get some cows though. My on in my house though, because that'll mean I'm affluent because I don't have to eat the steaks. I'm, it's kind of true though. If you had cows in your house, you I would think that you were rich. <laughs> if, I had, if I had cows walking around my house, you don't you don't think I would be a fucking hillbilly? No, it's like kind of desperate. Like there's obviously a hole in the house that they got into. Well, uh, he made the hole. He <laughs> probably paid somebody to make the hole for the cows to get through. Shh, guys, there's cows in the walls. <laughs> cows Why do I keep all that hay there? God, the cows are coming from inside the house. The cows. The cows are. <laughs> when a stranger cows. Boo. I'm just sitting here waiting for the cow discussion to end. Yeah. <laughs> well, Doug, it shouldn't be a surprise. I play a talking cow on Nickelodeon's Back at the Barnyard, so everything relates to cows to me. Yeah. And I'm done. Doug. That's um, good. I like the way you get into character and really think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I really sit through. Not what just... would it be like to be a male cow with others that don't exist in life? He actually didn't watch Temple Graden just because he didn't want to you know, feel sure. that pain. Is there any, um, Doug Benson, any any movies coming out that you're excited about? What, but let's talk about MacGruber for a second because I've not seen MacGruber. I heard MacGruber it, is I, so much funnier than anyone's giving it credit for. I yeah. heard it's hilarious and yet like biggest box office bomb for an SNL movie ever is what I heard. Really? More than It's Pat? Uh, that didn't really get More released. More than the um, uh, Stuart Smalling movie? <laughs> Stuart Smalling saves his family? Oh, wow, I forgot. I mean, it made like $4 million. $4.1 million. Uh, yeah, it? it did not have a great opening weekend, but it went up against uh, some, Shrek. some monster called Shrek and yeah. then the yeah. ongoing monster that is uh, Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what are you going to do? It, it It's a hard movie to promote, I think, because you can't, you can't really say Will Forte or... Kristen Wiig as like you know they, people don't treat them as movie stars as such and the MacGruber sketch was always a one note sketch where they just blew up at the end every time so it's probably hard for people to envision oh that's going to be hilarious as a movie and then on top of it it's really for I think it's for boys more than it is for girls I think yeah. some girls will find it funny but it's it's really a, a lot of poo poo caca is it R rated or is it and, it's a hard uh, R it's a very hard R because it's super violent too oh yeah. it is yeah yeah well, yeah well violence is great though. I'm it's wondering really funny violence yeah. yeah I'm wondering do you think people as a whole are just kind of wary now of that style of comedy where it's like oh someone you know pretending someone taking something stupid really seriously kind of comedy well it does it does have this weird uh, element of Austin Powers I think mm-hmm. of just this guy from a bygone era uh, you know being called back to do uh, yeah. you know, some more you know detective work or whatever um, but, but like, they don't yeah. have like uh, you know like that's sort of what made the Austin Powers movies work I assume is just sort of the wacky characters around him but like MacGruber's like really the wacky character and everyone yeah. else plays it really straight exactly which I like I, yeah it's fun to, I, I, just, I saw it at South by Southwest so after it was over I kept saying to myself but was it really as great as it felt because at the, that night it was you know the cast was there and yeah. at South by you know jazz, everybody yeah. loves everything you yeah. know like like when I saw Kick Ass at South by Southwest, I walked out of there confident that, that was going to be a smash hit all over the world, and you know, and it's just done okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but again, it comes down to the marketing. I think in MacGruber and Kick Ass's case, I think lots of people that would enjoy it uh, have either don't know exists or doesn't think it's for them. 
Or do you think there's a stigma because it's an SNL movie that people are like, eh, SNL. I don't think I just don't think people make the connection at all. I yeah. just think that no matter how much you yell MacGruber, it doesn't mean anything to anyone because it was never I, it, it was never a runaway. People weren't saying catchphrases from that sketch, and therefore it got turned like into like Wayne's World. I, mean, I remember when the Wayne's World movie came out; it was such a it, it, it was such a part of pop culture by the time that it came out it, as a movie. It still holds as the, I think the best SNL movie ever made. You know, I think it's a I can't think of a better one. I mean, it's not saying much. Most SNL movies suck. But like I think Wayne's World's Wayne's World stands on its own. Come on, there's there's got to be. Well, I mean, like Blues Brothers movie is in a league all of its own because it's such a crazy over the top. That's true, but I guess you could say the same thing about. I think uh, with Wayne's World, it's it's like it's it's in a league on its own. It's just considered a comedy. That was on Siskel's top ten that year that Wayne's World came out. It was like number three for him. Wayne's World, yeah, I think it's great. I you know I I watch it. Well, he's you know he lives in Chicago, so that gave him a big boner. But (laughs) but I really think that if I sat down and watched it now, I would not be terribly amused by. I, I watched it recently and I, I still enjoyed it. Did you ever like Wayne's World two? Uh, yeah, uh, like um, as because that not was as torture a movie. for me. I couldn't take that one. Not as a, like a really movie, but like as a series of just kind of like bits and jokes. I liked it, but like I never find myself going back to Wayne's World two. I find myself going back to Wayne's World. It's like to watch Ghost, it. like I watched Ghostbusters two. Like I torture myself with. Did you guys go see Ghostbusters two? Yeah, though is kind of amazingly weird. Yeah, like the the whole uh, what Peter McNichol character oh, is really Janos Poha. Really, he's very entertaining. But then the bankruptcy of ideas to go. Let's have something else giant walk through the city yeah, yeah. and let's have it be like the very serious looking Statue of Liberty yeah. like that was such a misfire and not to, an not, not, to be too, not, not to be too much of a nerd but they but they didn't really the size of that statue didn't <laughs> yeah. really stay consistent <laughs> no, it wasn't it consistent at all <laughs> like yeah. someone had to have seen that and been like you know when the, when it steps on the car that doesn't look at the same that's size that's exactly how I felt in Star Trek 4 with the friggin Klingon ship oh that's with the, the first scene they're standing the next to it and then Anyway, and then Spock put it in his pocket. You're like, that shouldn't fit in Spock's pocket. <laughs> and why does Spock have a pocket? How does that fit whales? Metaphysical pockets. How does that fit whales? Um, but yeah, we saw me and Matt saw Ghostbusters on Friday at the New oh, Beverly. So good. Double featured with uh, Mystery Team, which awesome, was a Derek good. comedy movie, which is awesome. Oh, I wanted to see. I just it's met one of those guys. Great, it's great. Uh, it's very funny. It's a very good movie. I think it will go down like as a kind of a cult. DVD buy for a lot of kids. It just came out on DVD, so if you're hearing this, go see it. Yeah, yeah, pick it up. Uh, but it was awesome seeing Ghostbusters in a uh, movie theater. Was it uh, full? Was the theater full? The theater yeah. was packed. And, I bet it was. And it's weird because you know I grew up watching Ghostbusters, uh, and so there were some things I didn't know were supposed to be funny. You grew up over two hours. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or I was going to say I'm you every day that was a curriculum. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just all day long Ghostbusters. Um, that's Jonah, when, you, when we started Ghostbusters, you were in first grade. Yes. I know, and now I'm picking colleges. I'm like Jack. Yep. I learned how to make my eggs on the kitchen counter. <laughs> <laughs> I have the most fun kind of progeria. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, but the I, reactions of audience members, like when you're watching it, it's very different from when you're watching it at home because it's it's everyone collectively is laughing at things and some stuff. Like I noticed a couple things that I hadn't noticed before, and I've seen that movie. I want to go back and times. see like comedies that I enjoyed years ago yeah. with an audience. But yeah, when yeah. I when you have the opportunity to go see it or just watch it on DVD, it it never that really is lessens the experience. You know, like I could still enjoy watching yeah. Ghostbusters on TV. But do I laugh out loud at anything that happens right, in yeah, it? Right, because it seems no, 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 what, really what are your, what are your favorite me. comedies? 
I like comedies that, like, when I see them again a few years later, they, you know, not only hold up, but they also surprise me. Like, like what? Like what A great example would be uh, Election. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is, like, one of the best comedies ever. Spinal Tap. There was another thing about Tracy. Her pussy gets so wet. Sure. <laughs> the first time I saw that, I, I, that was such a phenomenal... It was such a it's phenomenal an amazing uh, movie. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's just everybody in it. It's great. It just has a tone that's just very like uh, that's you know that's the thing that I enjoy about a few of the somewhat newer filmmakers is uh, some of them really have a good feeling for tone, and that's where most movies go astray to me. Is most movies just end up being a series of scenes mm-hmm. that yeah. uh, are sort of strung together with uh, modern hits or something. You know, like I took my mom to see Letters to Juliet. Yesterday, because that was there was no way I was going to see Sex in the City too, mm-hmm. and there was also no way I was going to watch Prince of Persia with my mom, because <laughs> she thought she was like, "Oh, that looks good," and I was like, "You know, once you're there, you're going to not, you're not going to enjoy it." So I wanted her to see something she would enjoy. I'll tell you why I can't see Prince of Persia now because it just I was I I, I went and saw the uh, the Lost finale. Allison Hayslip had a bunch of people over, and so I went to her house, and and the Prince of Persia commercial came on, and she just goes. Oh, I just can't stop staring at Jake Gyllenhaal's shoulders. And I'm like, well, now I can't see this movie because it just feels weird. I don't know. It just felt weird. I'm like, it just, he just, he's so beefcakey in it. Like, I just, yeah. doesn't he use a British accent too? I, I, I don't. I, uh, sorry, it looks like he's using yeah. a smarmy accent. He's, he's, like, what the uh, fuck is that? It's <laughs> some sort of. I'm the Prince of Persia. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, it's some some ridiculous. Uh, you know, it's a period piece. So Why is it? Whenever, whenever, <laughs> I'm sure there's some ex-period period piece. Whenever an, American, but, you know, whenever an American plays somebody foreign, regardless of country, it's a British accent. But, like, you know, they'd probably say something. There's probably a few throwaway lines of dialogue of, like, you know, I, I, you know he was raised by wolves outside of London. But think, about, <laughs> think about it, though. Think about it. An American accent. Like, the thing about a British accent is that it, it just denotes that it's not American. If you hear an American accent, right. I feel like... It kind of like in, in a, if I saw him doing an American accent in that movie. I mean, like once I saw Beyond his uh, staky shoulders, <laughs> um, I uh, I would feel like oh, it kind of takes me out of the movie because he's doing an American accent. There's something about British that just denotes foreign. Like well, I call it the Robin Hood Valkyrie argument, yeah. <laughs> which is Kevin Costner and Tom Cruise speaking in perfect you know American, and everyone else is is British. And in the case of Valkyrie, they're all supposed to be German. But if you yeah. watch Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> I think you can almost track the order the movie was shot because you can you can see the scenes where the accent degenerates, but in other scenes, he's got a little bit of one, and then in the next one, like, hey, little John. Oh no, I thought in those scenes he was just mocking the other characters. <laughs> <laughs> I think every movie should do the hunt for Red October, pull in on the on the mouths when they're speaking the other language, pull out, and they can talk however they want to talk. Oh, yeah, that was that was pretty that was nifty. Awesome. I was pretty. I, yeah. I think I gave that an applause break yeah. when that happened the first time I saw it because that's just a great idea. Like, that's the thing is that a lot of times, like that's what I like about J.J. Abrams stuff in general is the guy seems to be thinking ahead of like you know like that the ending matters. You know, well he wasn't thinking be. ahead when he was like, let's put lens flares all over Star Trek. Anyway. <laughs> Well, that's a, that's another story. See, that's the thing is maybe so you you think maybe he shouldn't be directing per se. I, I think that someone perhaps a cinematographer producer. should have been like maybe not a great idea for every scene. We don't need lens flares. In I think you're just mad because there were no whales. There are many ways in the to Star Trek. I was sad when Vulcan got blown up. I, like, I love. I, I I really enjoyed the new Star Trek. I thought they. Yeah. I, I liked started. it, and I and, it. and all the commercials. I was like, this is fucking Star Trek nine hundred two one zero. Like it's just yeah. a bunch of sexy people, 
And I saw it, I was like, oh, this is, this is I have to say, though, enjoyable. every actor in that movie, I thought, did a fantastic job playing the characters kind of like... Oh, my God, Carl, uh, Carl, Carl Urban, Urban was amazing. Yeah. Freaking awesome. And I thought John Cho was great, too. Yes, I agree. They, they, did podcast, good, they yeah. all did good, like, you know, uh, homage performances. Like, not yeah. a copy, but... Their own little definitely the spirit them, yeah. of it, though. Yeah. Like, almost like when a good cover song, like, if somebody, yeah. you know... Makes the song sound great, but does it their own way. It's but when you cool. when you rewatch, I've rewatched it recently, and and you just I was just thinking about the lens flare, so I was like, oh, it's not going to bother me, and then it does. Right. You know what bothered me, and I was reminded of it twice during this conversation. The first time I didn't get it in was uh, I was watching the season finale of American Idol because uh-huh. I, I love American Idol. I can't I can't help myself. And I'm watching it, and they have all these duets with famous people where, like, first an American Idol, one of the idols will come out and start singing a song, and then you're like, oh, that, that, every rose has a store, and that means Brett Michaels is about to come out. Right. And then they would. It was insanely predictable, and kind of weirdly <laughs> so, that they would let, like, them sing, like, a little bit of somebody's song first, and now you're just waiting for the real deal to come out. Right. And uh, in the case of Alanis Morissette, she sang with Crystal Bowersocks, and they sang uh, that You Ought to Know song or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, what was the, what did she change go That's down into saying. a theater? That's all I could think about as soon as the song started. I was like, uh, Where, where's this going? <laughs> What's she gonna say? I, 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 I was, was going dead. Does I, she go down on you in a theater? I was having dinner at my mom's house, and she had it on in the other room, so I didn't see it, but I heard it. And I've not watched I've not watched American Idol since the Ruben Studdard season, and then I, and it was kind of over the show after that. Yeah, but yeah. but um, but I know the, the I know the general quality of the average singer is amazing. I mean, they're pretty amazing. Uh, but amazing, wh- and yet green though. Like this year, there was a lot of people that just couldn't get their. So what what, what did Alana say instead of go down on you in a theater? Um, she said, uh, and the other girl I think had the line. <laughs> so that you know because they were alternating lines right. that way at least Atlantis didn't have to butcher her own line right but she's the other girl said would he go out with you to the theater wow that is that's a which I, to the theater yeah. so she changed it so either Atlantis's original version is that she was blowing someone during a play yeah right or <laughs> no would he go out with you to the theater or a theater I don't know which one it was specifically oh my god you know they just sat around way. and agonized like how do we fix this I wanted to but be either way, around it was just with like, you in the theater <laughs> Would you, yeah. do, would, you, would, would, would you, you do your Bullwinkle impression in the theater? <laughs> that, or does he want <laughs> one? No, wait. In the <laughs> like putting a funny noise. And <laughs> do the old reverse. To be fair, to be fair, that, that was not that was not Dave Coulier. She Who did not. Was it? That would. I I I I've I've had this conversation with Dave Coulier. The the part of the song that was, was about him. The part of, <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that on television. Yeah, the from you can't All that. right, you're gonna go down on me. There's also, movie. though, it's like oh, it was the day. introduction to the opposite. Dave, Dave Coulier was the one where when she says, uh, "I hate to bug you in the middle of dinner," where she calls his house while he's having dinner with his new girlfriend. That was Dave, but she did not blow him in a theater. That seems like a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> but also, it's like what? what Sorry, difference are, Sorry to ruin a bad song for you. Wouldn't he own up to it? I mean, in terms of. It was probably her idea. It's not like he. It's not like the way the song is written makes it sound like he forced her or coerced her into doing. Right. It. It's yeah. more like she was just a wild girl who did that, and now, now that, now that she has a new girlfriend, she's like, "Oh, is that one of my things I he did tried, wrong?" Was being he too, tries to force too her slutty, too oh, I got some uh, Reese's Pieces right here in my pants. You want to get down there? Yeah. yeah. yeah and while they're watching Diner, it was the weirdest. So it was the most <laughs> bizarre. It was so weird. While they were like, watching, you got this idea from that. And he's like, "Yeah, I didn't need a whole popcorn box though." While they were watching. <laughs> I just need some Reese's Pieces. <laughs> a, t- a tearjerker like Men Don't Leave or uh, Sophie's Choice. Uh, <laughs> Men Don't Leave's a good movie. But sad. 
Yeah, but very sad. But it's, but, but it's good. It's my, the other the other thing that I noticed about the um, about the uh, about the American Idol finale is, and I know it's I know it's popular to to shit on this gentleman, but uh, what I heard Dan Cook's voice come on, uh, and I was I, my first thought is, W T fuck? Why is he on American Idol? Uh, and so Carlos Mencia's act. Back so I, so I go it. I've covered this before. The only reason I, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the comedy he does now because I think he could do smarter comedy because he is a smart guy. I, the only reason I don't like him is because he was specifically rude to me personally. So I'm not just a comic who's sure. jumping on the old fuck that guy bandwagon. I genuinely had a bad experience with him uh, on top of the fact that I think he could, could do better. He could do, He's he could been do better. He's nothing but nice to me and I, I'm still not. <laughs> I, I don't know what to think. <laughs> well, anyway... <laughs> Uh, the point is, um, he. I heard his voice, and so of course I'm like, "Well, what, what the fuck?" So I go in and watch, and it it was it was genuinely a bummer to see when he was doing a song on stage. They cut what, to Simon. He did a song. He did a song. He came out with a guitar and did a roast of Simon Cowell because it's Simon Cowell's last night. So they were uh, making fun of him all night long. Like they let Paula Abdul come back out and she crazied it up. But, uh, <laughs> but they she let crazied up the but they had Dane Gould. Uh, Dane, 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 <laughs> A song about therapy, no, uh, and being from Massachusetts. No, he, uh, Dane Cook. They let him come out with, but with a guitar. Like my first thing, I didn't tweet it, but my first thought was, Simon Thank God Cow. he's got a talent to fall back on." <laughs> I well, never knew he played guitar, and it's that shows a lot of restraint on his part as a. He comedian. did release you know, a song released, five years ago. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Why, why isn't he out there with the guitar all the time? Well, because it's difficult to strut around and yell uh, while you're playing an acoustic guitar. Oh, you think that probably point. ruins his, his vibe or whatever. He would yeah. have to get a headset. Because Stephen Lynch, is, <laughs> Stephen Lynch is pretty uh, up there in terms of like. I mean, I know he's no Dane Cook, but <laughs> I like, think he would probably. But I mean, in terms of like, he's extremely popular, and that's all he does is sit there with a guitar, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, what I mean, it just seems to me like as someone who can't play any musical instruments or sing, that that's a shortcut I would have grabbed onto and ran with if that you was play the pipe. a possibility in my act, right? That was yeah. a high five you heard yeah, between me Yeah, if I could just go out and that. do bong hits and have have people cheering. You should come great. up with a musical pipe that while you're inhaling, you can play different notes as, as you're pulling <laughs> air through it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me get back to so my... Just bad get, I think that's why, isn't that, What's that thing that... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Peter Frampton used to play. Oh, oh, oh that, 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 that looks like a vaporizer with the two, yeah, like a vocorder, like a vocorder. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, when when he when Dane is up there doing the roast of Simon, um, and I guess someone stormed the stage that wasn't supposed to. There was some sort of a weird it was, soy bomb. The, the, the roast the roast was about all the horrible things Simon has said to people in a song. Like the lyrics were the, the chorus was Simon says Simon says, and then. Yeah. The, then the then the uh, other parts, <laughs> the, the other lyrics were all about. Is, there, is your phone still on? I don't think so. Oh, good, you're in airplane mode. Yeah, I'm in airplane. Yeah, because if we hear tick tick ticks, we're not gonna hear. I haven't heard any. Yet. Okay. I put mine in airplane mode. I can tell because there's a little airplane. A tiny little airplane. <laughs> um, anyway, what was I talking about? You're talking <laughs> about the guy that stormed out during his set. Well, they, they, they brought out a bunch of uh, people that were, like, people that Simon supposedly insulted all sort of came out. Mm-hmm. And then the, pen, the the final one was they brought out uh, William Hung or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that... Uh, oh, no, William Hung came out at the end of the Pants numbers. on the Ground song. William Hung and Dane Cook on one stage? <laughs> it was an amazing show. But anyway, those were two different numbers. But for some reason, one of the nuts in Dane Cook's song... Uh, grabbed the microphone and said, I'm going to pull a Kanye, blah, blah, blah. And they went right to commercial. And then Ryan Seacrest did an ad lib about it. Nobody ever spoke of it again. 
But Dane, but Dane Cook until did, now, Dane Cook did tweet about it and say that yeah, that guy just did jack the mic and then they cut away. But the song, he said the song was. So you're following Dane Cook on Twitter? Happened. Is that what you're telling me? I do follow Dane Cook on Twitter. Didn't he I, say like? Uh, it's interesting. Did he say like uh, it's like uh, I'm just glad that guy didn't hit my face when he took the mic because it would have uh, that would have been lights out time. Yeah, lights out time. Where he said it would have been gone from American Idol to American face punch. Uh oh, yeah, American oh, Idol to American show. dead asshole who tried to jack my microphone. It's yeah, go time. It's go time. <laughs> no, I don't know what he said. Tonight, an American guy tried to jack my ass idol. I think it was more clever than that. Whatever it was. He but said. but I but so anyway, the painful part that I was talking about that, and I felt empathetic as a comic. Like you you just it, you just don't want this to happen ever. But when he was doing the song, it cut to a full shot of Simon who just kind of looked over to the other two and rolled his eyes. Like, oh, jeez. Which was such a how he ran and then, everything. And then they cut to a wide shot, and Ellen was stoically staring off to the side. She would not look at the stage. And oh. it, it, just, it was this kind of weird moment of she just didn't want any part of it whatsoever. I bet he's been on her show, though, a few times, I'd imagine. I don't, I don't know. know. During the writer's sure. strike when she kept her show run? Yeah. Oh. That was waiting. You were waiting for that to come out, right? Do you feel any better now? Because you no. feel like you got that out. No, still I just I just thought of it. That's why I said it. Still, I really got to think about. Still a bubbling before. pile of blackness inside. <laughs> and um, I gotta say, as an Idol fan, I didn't mind Ellen DeGeneres, and I didn't miss Paula one bit. Like people are saying, the rating, the ratings are coming down. And they're trying to point to things like that the singers are shitty or that or that Paula Abdul's not there. And it's more like, no, it's been on for eight years. The show's been years. on a long time. And Glee, is, like, kind of is now, oh, look, now we get to see kids singing and they sing well every single song. Every and they time. dance, there's choreography. Right, right, right. Like, uh, American Idol is so stilted and stiff compared to the show that, you know, is right after it most weeks. Right, so, right, right. They added a Glee song to the Fountain at the Grove. And it's infuriating. Oh, which one? Is it Journey? Journey. Yeah, yeah. Did they replace the Lionel Richie song? No, that's still only lungs going. Okay. You're here, oh, uh, uh, Petra Hayes. Can't ever lose on Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock, guys. Eight o'clock at do night. They, did they replay long. TLC's Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls? Because that would be a good fountain song. I would listen to that. Yeah, you ever hear uh, Petra Hayden's uh, right, uh, the AIDS reference acapella it. version of... Uh, don't stop believing. No, it's great. She has like a whole choir doing like a all female acapella girls doing "Don't Stop Believing" by Journey. It's amazing. Check yeah, that out. Fantastic. Fantastic. Petra Hayden. She has a whole album full of. Uh, she did like she even did like a whole acapella album of Who songs. Oh, that's uh, genius. Yeah, but Petra from uh, you know that dog, the band that dog. It's like Sun, yeah, Sun, Sun Kill, that dog. Sun, yeah. Sun Kill Moon did the. I think it was a they Muse did Modest album. Mouse. Modest, Modest Mouse. Yeah, yes. yeah, and his version. of... Mark Kozlik. Uh, uh, awesome. Made of Ash is like really good. And awesome. You know, it, it's funny because I didn't. It didn't register in my head at first when I first heard that album that it was a Modest Mouse album. Yeah, that's good. And then I realized, like, again, I'll just thought, I thought, wow, these songs were. And then I went, and then I realized that that's what you know. Never mind. I should get that. I should get that album again. It's a good album. Really good. All right, let's pick it up at Amoeba later. All right. <laughs> oh, making plans. <laughs> <laughs> they hang out together. Day, this isn't guys. just a professional yeah. relationship. These guys actually hang out together. Doug, how long have you been in Los Angeles? You've know, been in LA for a while because dresses and see Sex in the City too. You've so been to it, and then we'll go to the a cheesecake factory after oh, this. Oh, that's so good. You guys, yeah. I am so the I am so the Miranda in this. <laughs> Actually, I think Joan is the Miranda and I'm probably well, I'm an, I'm not a Samantha. I am Carrie cuz I am the most horse-like. Oh. oh. Was that good? What? Wow, that's what? one way to look at it, I guess. What I, are you, Doug? I don't know. That's tough. Well, I, I loathe them almost equally. <laughs> <laughs> What's Kristen Davis? Oh, okay, well then 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 you're a Miranda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. 
Yeah, the, the bitchy one. Her name was Char- Charlotte. Charlotte, yeah. Yeah, I had to pretend for a second. I didn't know. I think oh, I'd see Sex and City 2 if I was dating somebody right now. Like, if I had a girlfriend. Like another Would guy. Would you really want to date somebody <laughs> that wanted to see Sex and the City 2? Well, I, it's just sort of, it's become, uh, oh, now I don't know who said it, but it's so funny. Somebody called it Too Big to Fail. Oh. Mindy Kaling retweeted it. Um, but somebody else called Sex and the City oh, Too Jamie Big to H- Fail. Oh, Janie Haddad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Paul yeah. Tompkins' uh, wife, yeah. new wife. She said that Sex and City 2 is too big to fail. Yeah. <laughs> just like the <laughs> banks. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, if I were a chick, I would want to see it just because how it often is, is it? How, how many movies are for them? How, how many women have, how many movies have strong female um, leads? Like four of them. <laughs> Four of them buying shoes yeah, and talking uh, about periods and fucking this, going off to the Sahara. Like it's like, why do they have to do something like that? Like why not another movie that's like that TV series that everybody loved that didn't go off to a different country? I can't wait movie. till Sex City Three when they go to Mars uh, <laughs> to like make oxygen. I think they should. Uh, I think they should combine it with a Born movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The Sex in the City that'd be, identity. That'd be a great move to all of a sudden turn the franchise into being like an action adventure series. If I were a crazy billionaire, I would totally do shit like that. Yeah. Or go animated. That's why and always, I do I've Sex in the City babies. I've always, I, see, I always wanted to do an L Word babies show <laughs> where it was just adorable lesbian babies living life out loud. <laughs> and we'll never get to see that. But Showtime is doing the real L Word. Like, we did that scripted L word before, but here's right, a reality right. based L word. Now they got another thing called the C word, and it's for cancer, so that's disappointing. Oh, I was hoping. Uh, <laughs> I, I was hoping it was for talking vaginas. I was hoping it was all a series about Laura Linney's vagina. Wouldn't you watch a show that was just talking vaginas? I would watch that show. Maybe. Do you have to look at it sideways? Yep. <laughs> or do they flip it for you? They, they flip it. They better flip it for me. I'm not tweaking my neck out. Um, so, Doug, I, we covered this. I'm sorry to repeat some of this because we covered this the first time we recorded you, and that recording is useless because of a technical error. But you yeah, and I, you we and did I, did a whole show for just the four of us. For just this, so it was just like we were hanging out. That yeah, we sweated so in that fucking room. You're gonna <laughs> it's like I hung, out, I hung out with Mike Furman yesterday. It was the first time in years we've actually hung out without a project that we had to finish. Oh, like nice. it was wow. just hanging out as friends. Uh, we went to the uh, we went to the. Um, uh, uh, the oh the Museum of Jurassic Technology, oh, which nice. is fucking amazing, and I don't want to give away too much about the museum. You should just go and judge yeah. it for yourself. But it is, it's in Culver City. It's been around for twenty one years, and it is a gem uh, yeah, in Los really Angeles. Cool. So. They finally get locking mechanisms at the vehicle doors. Yeah. <laughs> Culver. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> What's even worse about that is he had just I made that the- reference right when we got here. So <laughs> it's stuck in my that line gets stuck in my head. That guy's dead. He died of cancer. Anyway. Well that makes it okay then. I always like the part where they learn to open the doors, you know, in the in the <laughs> compound. They just learn to, to do that. They just figure it I out. Love, I love and that. And then the way when they're explaining it, I always thought Samuel Jackson said they also learned how to dial nine for an outside. Line. <laughs> <laughs> I just love to see this love to see this kind of limp little four claw yeah. come off and then hit the choop choop like the alarm on the fucking car. There was that there was that moment in the uh, like uh, the critic. They had that like uh, one of the their cutaways in that cartoon the critic where it's like um they figured out how to unlock the doors and it's just like you see like a, a newspaper come underneath the door and then like a, the key wiggles out and falls on the, the but Doug you and I first met in 1994 when you were a writer on MTV's Trashed which was the first job that I ever had um, and it was you and Posehn and and uh, Steve Higgins who's now on the Fallon show and who wrote for SNL and his brother Dave Higgins and Dave Allen who was a naked trucker and uh and Joel Hodgson um, from Mystery Science Theater, and it yeah. was an, it was really an amazing collection of people. And 
but 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 Odenkirk and Cross and and Janine Garofalo and everyone you guys all did sketches on the show and it was really and the show died pretty quickly. Yeah, well, it uh, <laughs> it lasted one cycle, but it took us a year, over a year, to develop it. And you came in uh, when we were on about month eleven, and it really came down to we were really going to do it, and we really needed a host. And they they looked at a million people to be the host, and then uh, plucked you out of somewhere. Like we didn't, we weren't part of any audition that you did or anything. They were just suddenly like, it's going to be Chris Hardwick, and we're like. Who, what, Wick? Yeah, they plucked me out of the gap at UCLA because they had to come in and style me to, uh, I was this preppy kid at school and they had to style me in like baggy pants and a gas station attendant shirt and a Dude, like, uh, strangely enough, like because they buy in wildly varying, you know, they gather clothes that are sometimes going to be too big for you. Yeah. So stuff that was too big for you, I wore for years. <laughs> like, I got... Totally hooked up by Paula Ellens, uh, who was a wardrobe stylist, yeah. uh, who I'm friends with to this day. Whenever I run into her, and but she, because <laughs> uh, she always works on, you know, she worked on Mr. Show, then she worked on Sarah Silverman program. So I like show up and have to be fitted by her every once in a while, and we yeah. have a lovely time whenever I see her. But uh, she, uh, she hooked me up, gave me so much of your clothes that you didn't wear. You got, you got a lot of pairs of dickies. Stuff you wore once, sure. like, like sometimes you'd wear like three layers, so the jacket would be kind of big and baggy, and then would fit nice on me, you know. Terrible look, by the way. Super skinny guy wearing very baggy clothes. But a, yeah, that, that, was, that was the 90s. That was part of it. It was like trying to keep you from looking like a, just they pushed a skeleton out there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, da, da, Shook da, da, it around. And it like in a creepy Popeye cartoon with the dancing. Trivia questions. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. But that was a, a really fun experience. Like some, some crazy stuff happened there. One of the other writers was Chris Henshey, who is now uh, Funny famous, die. famously married to... Uh, Brooke Shields. Yep. Which I could never, you know, that's the sort of thing that never in a million years do you see that coming. Where we're, when him and I and Mark fight and uh, who was another person on that set that was a maniac? Oh, when um, the four of us were playing. Um, Toby Huss. Toby Huss. We, oh. we, we, we'd play chicken where we'd, one guy would get on another dude's shoulders and another guy would get on another dude's shoulders. And I was on Chris Wait, Hitchie's you were in shoulders. some kind of a pool, right, Doug? Or over a mattress of some sort? No, no, no. We were in a <laughs> small room with uh, tabletops with jagged, you know, and gravity. Like hard edges and lots of hard corners and uh, we would just do that until we were all on the ground and it was insane shirts come and off. I, I remember one time I think we nearly wiped out into your mom who was just trying to make her way through the hallway to get to your dressing room you would have crushed her she's a tiny lady yeah but I just uh, you know to go from being on the dude's shoulders doing that to like yeah and he's now he's married to and has children with Brooke Shields do you think Ed they Brooks. play chicken at home do you think he puts Brooke on his shoulders I don't think and they, so no? I don't all right. think Chris Henchy's the one that told me that there are no nerve endings in your elbow skin, and you can squeeze or bite really hard on it. Not that I'm recommending that people do that, and I don't want you to hurt yourself, but... Uh, but if you do? If you do, yeah, there's no nerve endings there, so this doesn't hurt, no matter how hard you squeeze it. It doesn't... I'm a pinch. No, it doesn't. I can feel it. I can feel it. No, just, 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 like, you straighten your arm, and then just this little bit of flap of skin oh, uh, right there. Yeah, but if I pinch it with I my have fingers. so little, because I have, you know, I have no body fat to speak of. And your blood is also made of <laughs> marijuana, so you probably can't you feel... Can, yeah, you're right. You can't feel it, but you could you could make it hurt. Like you know, like if you stuck it like, like if I put my like uh, yeah, like my fingernails like in, like yeah. if I shot my elbow yeah. with a gun, <laughs> I would totally. Right. I would probably feel that. If somebody bites your elbow skin, you're gonna feel it. If a velociraptor who's decided. gotten into your car because you were dumb enough to leave your keys on the floor. <laughs> Velociraptor's biting my elbow! <laughs> just oh, weirdly, elbow. I can't feel it. Yeah, just gingerly nipping yeah. at your elbow because Velociraptors love elbow. The Velociraptor was so bad. Jurassic Park 3 was terrible. Were there, were there too many lens flares in it for it you? So... Uh, wait, wait Not wait enough whales? 
Jurassic Park 3. I liked Lost. Is that the one where they... I they liked sh- the second one. Yeah, but, yeah. I, the second one, in some ways, is better than the first, yes. I think. I would agree with you. Yeah. The, the third one is an abomination. Is that the one where he, showed, the, yeah. he ends up in a... I don't think I saw the third one. Is that the... Like, the, the third one has tr- Bill Macy in it. Nope, didn't see it. Part two was during Vince Vaughn's lengthy detour into drama. Like, he was a drama guy for forever, and it's like, wasn't your first movie a comedy? Weren't you funny in that? Like, he was, like, in so many dramas there for a while. And now he's in too many comedies. Well, Well, I gotta tell you, though, if I have to see a shitty comedy, I want him to be in it. Because even when it blows, something about him I find entertaining. I think he's amazing. I thought Vince Vaughn's Wild West comedy tour was difficult to watch. Right, but that's because a lot of it was just like really long stretches of stand-up comedy in a movie theater, like watching an audience watch comedy in a movie theater. I think, but I think Vince Vaughn's great, and I, I totally understand why they tried to make a dramatic star out of him because, you know, he's he's got this sort of classic sort of dreamy leading guy look, and they were like, well, we gotta fucking make him, you know, a super a super actor. And he yeah, is. But he, then he, but he, he went the independent route on so many things. He was yeah. in that thing with Janine Clay Pigeons. Yeah, and yeah. Like, oh, yeah. He, he was just in every other indie movie for a while. And yeah. it was like, I, you know, maybe he was just enjoying himself, or I, I don't know. Or or just in that first movie, he just thought of himself as an actor, not as a comedy actor. I think he's great. Hey, if you're Vince Vaughn and you're listening, uh, come, come be on, on the, the show. show. Yeah, it's totally come be, be on this, this show. That would be so sweet. It'll be him talking and you guys listening, probably. That would be really amazing. His old buddy, Craig Kilborn's coming back to TV. I know. What? Craig Kilborn. It's crazy. Yeah, he's going to have... It's a show on Fox. He's going to have a half-hour daily, like, uh, almost daily show kind of thing. Like, kind of going back to his roots. But it's going to be on all the Fox uh, O&Os, the owned and operated. And who do you think is going to take it over and make it big after after he quits? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, like he was on The Daily Show, and he did a fine job, but then Stuart takes over, and it becomes an Winning show. Yeah. Then he does a late late show, and then he leaves. And Ferguson is now doing, you know, like I still remember John way better Stewart's, than John Stewart's last week, where our first week, where they did five questions, then four questions, three questions. But they still do Moment of Zen, and they yeah. still I don't know if he came up with that. That was probably Winstead or the other lady, but it's still. You know, that's the thing about Kilborn, is it just like, he went away, he, you know, showed up in old school. Yeah. Which he's hilarious. Guy, and he's he was great in old school. Yeah. Phenomenal. And then, I, isn't he also in Benchwarmers, maybe? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, the story, so. I, mean, I, don't know, I, don't know, I don't know if this is true, I can't confirm this, but what I had heard was that he had asked for a raise in the Late Late Show, and CBS said no, and he said, well, you either give me a raise or I'm going to quit. And they were like, enjoy your vacation. And so, and that was it. Yeah. So, he, I, I had heard he kind of painted himself into a corner where it was like, well, if I don't quit now, then I'm not ever going to have any, you know, like, they're never going to listen to me. And yeah. so, but that's what I heard, but I don't know if that's... I don't but that's, know that's part of what I strangely admire about him, is that he didn't just sort of went away for a while, and then now, he, you know, he's back with... I saw, I saw, I saw the commercial for it, and they're like, Kilby's coming back! Like, who the fuck is Kilby? Is, <laughs> is that some adorable anime creature? Kilby! It's something he called himself <laughs> on <laughs> But I'm excited that he's coming back, because he's going to have a panel... You know, kind of uh, in the style of uh, Chelsea Lately or. Let's ride Kilby to Rainbow Island. He's going to do a round table? And I, I would feel comfortable sitting at a table riffing with that dude. I think I would too. I think it would be fun. I would too. I totally I, I've would. Always, I've always appreciated that guy. He was so good on SportsCenter back in the day. Yeah. I, Him and Keith Olbermann. Keith, Keith Olbermann. Before, every, before Keith Olbermann became. 
Here's a note to you, Mr. President. <laughs> ah, take it down. You don't have to oh be my God! Dylan, Dylan, Dylan Radigan and uh, and the Ed Show yell at you even more than Oberman. Like when when Chris Matthews is Chris Matthews is becoming like the quiet one. That's a, <laughs> that's a pretty noisy network. What's always what's, what it started to annoy me about uh, Keith Oberman's countdown is that he every guest he had he would just have someone on to say exactly what he said. Well, now they have promos that say. Uh, him addressing that specifically. Really? That they run a lot. Yeah. That, that basically him saying that he's not just bringing people on to agree with him, he's bringing people on for him to verify the, the facts. As well, you can't, you know. And I would just be like, here's what I say. Now say it different. No, you can't, but, I mean, like, you can't really blame. If Oberman's doing, if like if any performer starts doing something, there's like this sort of Darwinian thing that happens. If you start doing something and it's the thing that people are responding to, consciously or unconsciously, you're going to continue to do that thing because you're being rewarded for it in some way. Hence and my pot smoking. Exactly. Yeah. So sooner or later, it just becomes the thing that you're known for. The world is enabling you. And yeah. how do you? And how do you know? Like, you know, you don't have. You don't necessarily have the same perspective on it anymore because you're you're. Just the guy who's doing what you what you think you need to be doing to survive. Does that? Does, do you think your pot smoking feels contrived? No, I mean it's, he really does it. When I saw it's when really I organic when you when you were doing I because I, I was around you when you were shooting super high me yeah and when you were on like day twenty one or two of smoking pot every day I saw you backstage at UCB and your eyes were these little slits and I was like Doug is this how how is it smoking smoking pot every waking second and you were like. It's the greatest thing I've ever done. Yeah, like you really, <laughs> you're so stoked. You, all you the really time. were. It was. There was no Morgan Spurlock like throwing up out of the side of the yeah. car with the Big Macs. Like you were really. Well, that's what I always say is the the only side effects I experienced were weight gain and fun having. <laughs> <laughs> now, why do you think that? How how was it that you didn't go back to that? Um, you know, because now I mean, you still smoke pot, but you're. Well, I'm still sort of, I'm as there as I can be, you know, like they were driving me around and filming me all the time, so it was my job, really, you know. <laughs> Dad, it's my job. <laughs> to be high all the time, but now that I, it's not my job, I don't, I, you know, I'm not like insistent on being high all the time, and that's part of what I proved in the movie, I think, is that, uh, you know, I went 30 days without it, and it wasn't that difficult. Can you do 30 days, 30 days uh, on and off of uh, drinking, too, right? One month on, uh, one No, month no, on. the whole thing, the whole 60 days was no drinking, and that was much harder than, uh, than not smoking. Did you find it harder just based on like in social situations, not grabbing a drink or? Yeah, that's just, it's just the thing is that like smoking has been relegated to before and after my shows. Mm -hmm. I cannot smoke during my shows, right. but I can drink during my shows and I do. Yeah, and that's. Every night I have a cocktail. And that, that was the weirdest yeah. thing about quitting drinking for me so many years ago is that there's almost no worse profession other than being a bartender that than being a comic and, and not drinking because you're fucking always, comedy clubs are bars yeah. and so you're always around it always yeah so it's an interesting you know it's an interesting way to to, to go about yeah no I, I thought that it was extremely zen of you to not to not only stop drinking but also never relapse when you're in comedy clubs all the time and also never complain about it I've never once heard you oh man I wish everyone's yeah. drinking I don't fun. miss I it I if anything you were at bars and comic clubs even more when you quit drinking yeah I you were just going out so much I don't much. really miss it I don't I don't I miss I miss you know what I, I miss like oh if I'm out of town like if I, if I were to go to Europe oh it would be really nice if I could have a drink like a glass of wine or a beer or something outside where it's really in a piazza when it's really nice yeah. but 
then I just kind of go, yeah. Then it would end up being twenty beers, and then it just, yeah, then it just well, seems, seems gross I, to me. I find that environment everywhere I go. Like <laughs> yeah. every once in a while, I'll be sitting around not thinking uh, a, a drink would be nice right now. But whenever I'm somewhere beautiful or, or about about to watch something, like these movie theaters that have uh, where they bring you booze at your seats, I love that. You know, it do you, doesn't happen that often or often enough. Do you think we're going to legalize pot in California when it goes on the ballot? Well, it's supposed to be on the ballot in November on the 2nd. I'm going out on tour with Graham Elwood this summer to uh, – we're doing the Pot the Vote tour where we're going to hit like five or six cities in California and, and try to do as much media as we can to remind people to vote. And then that, of course, is three or four months before the actual voting, so I don't know if it's going to be effective. Well, wait, what happens if it's legal? It, does it become like Amsterdam? Are there like pot districts where you can go into a bar and they serve you, That's they give the you thing. bricks of pot? Or, or is it just, does it just that the federal government stops busting these... No, these that's dispensaries. It. That's it. If the state votes to legalize it, it'll still be ele- illegal according to the feds. But the state will have said it's legal. So then, just like the dispensaries have had since medical marijuana has been legal, there will be probably skirmishes with the feds of some sort. Man, that's but insane. I imagine personal use, just like with medical marijuana, no feds ever going to bust into my house. Right. Just because I bought some from a place. Although they might so, bust into your house specifically. You're yeah, pretty outspoken about it. Maybe, but, you know, they're, they're not going to... Should we bust the guy with the 30 joints in his mouth on the DVD cover? That was uh, photoshopped. What of the money that the state Officer. gains... What of, what of the money that the state <laughs> gains from these dispensaries? Like, um, is that considered not valid by the feds? No, like, I uh, mean, that's, that's part of the thing is that uh, the reason it's going to be on the ballot in the fall is... Because we're broke. Uh, well... You know they got it. They got enough signatures to get it on the ballot. But then, in addition to that, um, it also is going to possibly help. I mean, it's the number one cash crop in many states in this country, and it's illegal in all of those states that it's the number one cash crop. Isn't it almost like the federal government going in and busting uh, Indian gaming casinos? We're like, uh, it's illegal to gamble. Yeah. They're like, yeah, but our state said it was okay for to do on our on, on the reservation. I mean, it's, it's essentially kind of the same thing, and that's why Obama said, "Knock it off." But who knows what's going to happen when this flip is switched on, in, on November second? Like I, I, you know, right now the polls are saying sixty-five percent of Californians think it should be legal, and I think most of those think that because they either don't care or they think it's going to help help financially. It's going to help the state. But it's interesting that there's still no ads on TV, pro or con. Like I don't know how hard anyone's going to come up against it. But I don't think I don't. California is not as progressive as people think it is. No, as, really and well, LA and San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, know. like I think we learned that from the Prop the Eight gay marriage yeah. thing, the yeah. Prop Eight fiasco. Really, yeah. What what you realize <laughs> is that there's really like two progressive places in California: LA and San Francisco. San Francisco, really, yeah. the most, and then. Everything else is rednecks in between. Yeah, you know? no one seems like, to understand that. Uh, that like, most except for our listeners are. in those places. Yes, <laughs> yes of course. You guys, love are you great. guys. No, no, don't let them off easy. You know, I'm talking to you, <laughs> hey. Wairika. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, Wairika is uh, is a very, the meth capital. Meth capital, also highest the meth capital of meth. Highest uh, per capita of KKK members in the entire country. Per oh Jesus Christ. Yeah, like uh, like it's just because they're just falling out of the cabinet. Per capita. Um, Please don't make fun of the KKK because I said one thing on Twitter. Wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got threatened. Please don't make fun of them. Well, make fun of them, but I, I got I got horribly threatened, and they fucking scare me. Because really? if you're if you are still in the mindset like yeah, it's okay to go on sheet, you know, put sheets on and burn crosses and tell people of different races they're inferior, you're obviously not 
Like, you obviously don't have a problem just going out and fucking murder. Like, reason yeah. isn't one of your hobbies. Maybe not. Do I, Maybe do not. I, do I remember all of it? <laughs> that came out wrong. I didn't mean don't make sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's one of those things where they Please. took the quote out of context. It's a secret yeah. institution. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you think about it, don't make fun of it. What I meant yeah. is don't don't uh, don't attract their ire to me or this podcast. Do I, re- or, do I remember all of the family incorrectly in my childhood, or did, did the Ku Klux Klan try and recruit uh, and all in the family. Didn't they try and recruit him? And then, like, I remember that. No, that was the Halloween episode. No, it must have been. Yeah, I think I made, I, I, made, I made some joke that on. That was just ghost trick or treating. <laughs> the most unfortunate ghost costume. I made some joke on Twitter, like, there was some article about, are, are babies racist? And so I said something like, Coochie Coo or Coochie Ku Klux Klan. And uh. And I think I also made some... Uh, but that's adorable. Why would they ever get mad? And I also made some Ku Klux Clown joke where it was like a racist clown. but uh, And then that was uh, like... Like, I got, call me the clown, but white? Right. I got, I got like horribly threatened. And I, I looked up some of these people and they ran like these weird BDSM sites and they lived in rural parts of the Pacific Northwest. And How does like, the internet no. get out there? Is it? How does that happen? Um, through hatred. Their oh, hatred yes. is so strong that it's it forms this telepathic link. It's yeah. a hate net. There's a whole yeah. There's a hate net. It's a satellite of it's a satellite of hatred. I'm learning a lot, guys. Um, so uh, lasties. <laughs> Now, Doug, uh, Mike Fern and I... Could you know, it's like if a bunch of monkeys uh, pound a rock on a computer, eventually they'll write some hate speech. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Shakespeare. That, you know, that, that's funny. You just reminded me that when we were doing Trash, Steve Higgins, who was our head writer, who then went on to do SNL... And he's the voice on the beginning of Jimmy Fallon. Of Jimmy Fallon. Night. Amazing guy. One of the funniest people Late I've ever made. with Jimmy Fallon! He, um... He's, I like how he's running and the roots are playing. I he love that he had said yeah. he had said that uh, he would get these puzzling notes back from the network all the time, and he'd go, you know, it's like if you're playing computer chess against someone and you don't see the other person, and they're making these moves and they're kicking your ass because you think they're brilliant, and then you come to find out the person on the other end is a monkey, and they're like <laughs> they're just making these random decisions. And you're like they're brilliant, but yeah. it's just a random. Assortment of. Are you texting right now? Are you not on airplane mode? No, I want to show you guys something. No, I'm still in airplane mode. See? So you told me you could do everything still. I didn't know that. But when I used to, when Sarah was dating Jimmy Kimmel, I used to frequent tapings of his show, as a few of my other friends did as well. And we would say, you know, we would just call it JKL when referring to it in text. And so, but the first time I wrote JKL, well now see, now it's finally doing it right. It finally, finally learned it. But the first few times I wrote JKL into my iPhone, it suggested KKK. Oh, which means somebody was like, "We should put this. We should put this in the vocabulary. Put, put three initials together, and one of them's a K. It might be KKK. America. I should make it easy on America. I tried to put crab in once, and Arab came up. That's so that weird. If you yeah. type, if you type Ghost B, Ghostbusters comes up properly. Really? Capitalized and everything. Oh, so nerd does not nerd come up. Totally yeah. put that in. Nerd does not come up when you try to type nerd in. It doesn't. It's like I would think that'd be the first fucking word they would put in the iPhone, and it's not. It's not in the they iPhone. They don't think so that, that way worse. themselves. No. They don't know. They don't look in a mirror. Technically, you can add words to your own dictionary by making create yeah. making them contacts. Yeah. Also, uh, Sasquatch comes up. S A S Q. Sasquatch. Oh, that's that's anyway. interesting. Still not nerd. So though. apps still work. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I gotta say, I, I have to say, your first gen iPhone is in surprisingly good condition. It, because it's pretty... it's, you want to tell the story? <laughs> oh, I went to an amusement park one day with my first gen iPhone, and it was in St. Louis, and it was sweating, and and it was gross, and we went on tons of rides, me and Graham Elwood, and uh, 
it was I was just like it was just one of those days where I'm soaking wet. But you know how the iPhone is; it feels like it can get wet, right? A, a little wet or whatever. And then suddenly, when I went to type something. Uh, the entire middle row of keys wouldn't work at all. And when you eliminate an entire middle row of letters, it's very hard to even cryptically tell people things in a text. So, right. So suddenly that was like something I couldn't do anymore, which drove me nuts that I couldn't text and that I was doing that. Why does Doug keep writing QWERTY? And I called, <laughs> yeah, and I called up Matt and I said, uh, hey, Genius Bar, what's the deal with... Uh, which sounds sarcastic when you call someone Genius Bar. It sounds like you're saying they're stupid. Hey, Genius Bar. Shit. No, but you know what I mean. I have a friend that's a Genius Bar guy, and I'll yeah. take advantage of it. And so I I, <laughs> I, uh, I, texted him what was happening, and he wrote back, Oh, yeah, sometimes that, that's the thing that happens to him because of moisture. Because of excess moisture in my pocket running around the amusement park on a hot day, it made the middle row of my keyboard go out, and that's something there had been precedent with. Like, that's yeah. an ongoing problem. Oh, yeah, that's just because you uh, had... Like, you knew what the problem was immediately. Yeah, unfortunately, your ball sweat is creating too much moisture for the device. <laughs> yeah, so... And they can tell when there's moisture damage. They just run a flashlight on, into the port underneath, and you can see... A liquid indicator. So he got me a late-generation, first-generation when I, when I had to switch it in. A late-gen, first-gen. Because there was no way to fix it. Nice. So I swapped it out because I had whatever warranty you talked me into buying. And the his sensor around. wasn't tripped. So in, for, with Super Jaime, you had uh, Furman and I, um, we made a song for you for the uh, for the movie. Yes, you did. Which, I'm totally which, grateful for that. Which, uh, which appears for a couple seconds in the car. You guys happily and quickly took the assignment. I said, come up with a 30-second theme song that's, that's peppy and bouncy. And well, many years ago, fun. Mike Furman came home one night really high, and so he just recorded... Because he was super, super high, he recorded this thing of just him going, I'm super, I'm fucking, I'm super fucking high. And there was some giggling. And so we just, we took that and built a song around it. And um, so I, I will, I'll, when we end the podcast, I will end the podcast with that song so people, if they care, they can hear it. Oh, for reals? I thought we were talking about the I Love Movies theme. Oh, we did the I Love Movies theme as well. Which, That's which, what I thought we were talking about. No, I was about. talking about Super Fucking High, which is in Super High. That's hilarious. We've done a couple of Doug Benson uh yeah, 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 well, yeah. That's not a theme song for this show. The <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, Anamanaguchi does our theme song. The podcast was first. Yep. Right. You did that. Yeah. And then I said, "Would you guys like to do a song for Super High Me?" Yeah. When we were making it because I saw the writing on the wall that we were going to have no budget for songs, so we were just like getting whatever we could mm -hmm. in there, and um, so yeah, so I asked you guys to write something, and then. How, what it like? Does it play as an instrumental in the movie, or because you don't get to hear you actually singing? I'm super fucking. I thought high. it was in the credits. No, it's in the. It's there's one scene where they're in a car. There's one scene, there. but I think it's just a, kind of an instrumental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. I, I think you it had a long instrumental break in it or something. I think we had hoped like this is going. I hope stoners oh, love this song. Uh, but I don't know if anyone likes it. Yeah, or not. well, that's the thing is that. Uh, there was just the hold up on the end of you know the, when I gave it to the I was like here's a song for the movie and I gave it to him and it was just like you know I didn't want to give you guys notes per se but they just sort of reacted badly to the fucking over and over again because we're already <laughs> making a pro do drug documentary and then like you know the throw, like, throw might, some bunch of swears in I don't, they never thought we could get a PG-13 I don't think but they still thought that that was just like uh, you know something that's just going to be a headache down the road yeah 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 I totally understand you have to bleep out all the fucks and, and then, then, then you can't TV hear the song the, the word fuck is in that song like 60 times make it NC-17 yeah, yeah. So, that's, so that's where there was kind of a stumbling block there but they still used you know part of it like just sort of as like transition music yeah, yeah, or yeah. something 
And but the uh, the I love movies theme now the show is called Doug loves movies because that's what you sing in the song and yep. that's also when people Google it that'll be the first thing that comes up which is Cause, better because if you write I love movies in Google then that's it's, you'll still get my podcast is pretty close to the top of that but you'll you'll basically the first thing will be like porn probably that's called bad SEO <laughs> yeah so we changed it to Doug loves movies and uh, but now I'm meeting people in bands and asking them to do covers of your songs. Yes, you know what? Uh, my, my friend Tony Thaxon from Motion City Soundtrack uh, he says sent me a gonna, text. He says they're going to try to do a cover of Oh, I would love that. I sent him the lyrics. And then, yeah, and then... Um, <laughs> that all makes sense, huh? It does. <laughs> That's how it works. Like, uh, you know, except for it won't be a new one every week, but it'll be like weeds, you know, like every... Like weeds, yeah. Every few yeah. months I can, like, pop in a new one for a few episodes. I love that. Regina Spectres was the best. The which ones? Regina Spectres. My, my buddies did one, too. The uh, Man Man. They did a, they did a weeds one. Opening. I, love I love that song. Yeah, yeah and then they, and then they kind of abandon that whole. Well, they now now it's just like the opening title sequence is just a quick flash on on some sort of object with weeds. Like it's always like a art, you know, it's like a design thing. Mm-hmm. And there's no, there's usually no music or anything. It's just like a quick title. Now, Doug, you're a smart, you're a very smart guy because you you've been doing comedy for a long time and you've managed to build, you've you've slowly built all these different. Doug Benson uh, themed properties like the not, <laughs> not to make not to make it sound artistic not to make, take any of the, the art out of it but you know the Doug loves movies and then the Benson interruption yeah. which is phenomenal and I'm doing your Benson interruption in uh, June what's the date it's June fourteenth June fourteenth this is gonna come out before then this is going up tomorrow oh wow yeah I'm putting it up tomorrow holy so that, let's so that talk we can... let's talk more topical shit then yeah. Memorial Day. Did you guys see that movie W? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the Benson Interruption on June 14th will feature you. And also, like, guests are always kind of tentative because people have things that come up and things they're doing or they just forget that they said yes to me. But tentatively right now, it'll be you and um, Sarah Silverman and Paul Shear and, you know, others to be named later. And... Um, for anybody that's listening to the Nerdist podcast that might not be familiar with the Benson Interruption, it's essentially me hosting a show, but then I sit on stage with a microphone with, during each act and, uh, and contribute. And it's sort of, it started off as like, come out, try your new bits or do some classic bits, whatever you want to do, and I'll try to jump in. But now it's sort of got into more of a storytelling mode because if anybody comes out and tells a story that I haven't heard before, it's just fun to get my take on it as it goes along. By the way, this is not a formula that just anyone can do. Do not interrupt your friend's shows just for the fuck of it. <laughs> you have to be funny like Doug Benson for it to work because your contributions have to build. Uh, like rather than well, just interrupting, you, know, you have like, to uh, add. It's almost like an improv game. Like pretend you're like I've even done this with the Sklars. Like I've stood on stage with the Sklar brothers and pretended to be the third Sklar. Yeah. <laughs> but, I don't, but I don't know what we're talking about, so I just have to repeat something they're saying or add another tag on to everything nice. they say. And it's really fun to do because it's like a fun improv game, and you get bigger laughs on things that aren't that ingenious just because you clearly thought of it. Well, also I've written, I, I've I've come out of your shows with brand new stuff because. I mean, I just feel like you're such a you're such a wonderful safety net. I know that if something doesn't fly, then you'll. It's sort of shitty on my part to be like, "Yeah, Doug will save save this if yeah. it doesn't go." But but that's sort of how like uh, Dax Shepard got involved with it. Like he does a show whenever I, I have him on whenever he's not shooting something because he's like he's just a really funny guy and he's got great stories and he wants to you know he wants to kind of get into stand up and you know. 
uh, especially because he could probably go to colleges. He told the he told the most amazing Michael Jackson story at that one Benson interruption we did at Largo like six or seven months ago, and uh, it was phenomenal. He's he's fantastic. I knew Dax. Dax used to be at Groundlings, and I knew him. Yeah, when and he, he was, was on Punk, and like so yeah. he's got a, you know even though he's an actor, he's still got a lot of uh, credibility. He's a funny guy, being spontaneously funny, and I'm finding. I'm finding more of those and trying to get them to do the show. Like, I'm trying to get John Hamm to do it because all he has to do is come out and tell a story, and then I fuck with him. It's almost like panel on a talk show where there's not that constriction that everybody has on a talk show, which is, like, the whole discussion has to be made first. Well, you're the, then, si- you're, 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 you're the sidekick in a way, but, it's, but, but it's, you're driving the show. Yeah, but I also don't have to keep it moving. Like, if something's fun, we can dwell on it for as long as we need to, for yeah. it to you know, as long as it's continuing to be fun. Like, whenever I watch anyone being interviewed on TV, even the best interviewers have that kind of look in their eye, like they're keeping track of when they've got to wrap it up. They're thinking, <laughs> they're thinking about what their next question is. And in some cases, they're bored out of their minds. Right. You know? Yeah. So that's the other thing about the interruption is it's my friends telling jokes and me fucking with them. Like, that's that's my idea of a great time. Well, that, and then and then at Cinefamily the other night, which was formerly the silent movie theater, you had me come and do a movie interruption with you and me and Scott Ackerman and uh, and and Larry um, Larry Zerner Larry Zerner we did we did Halloween I mean uh, uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part <laughs> oh, Three yeah I couldn't go yeah in yeah. in three D but we watched a two D print of it and um, I mean essentially we're just mystery science theatering the movie but it was so much fucking fun man yeah, we had blast. so much fun yeah I was really I was. Because people afterwards, you know, Larry Zerner and a couple other people were like... Who's you, in the movie. How did you know people would show up and tolerate four guys on microphones yapping throughout a movie? And I was just like, well, you know, obviously you have to pick the movie carefully. It's got to be something that has, you know, downtime in it. Like, you can't just watch, like, a classic screwball comedy or something where everything's happening and there's no... There are long stretches of in. silence in Friday so, the 13th so Part 3. So horror movies are great for it. Probably science fiction will be great for it. Yep. And then my intention now, because this in a family was the the guy that runs that place was thrilled with Adrian went. Adrian, Adrian. Um, it, that's one of those names Hadrian like every time the first few times you hear it you're like I'm gonna maybe have to hear this a few <laughs> more times but Hadrian well, I, I remember his name because Hadrian was a Roman emperor if I'm not mistaken it had to be something old because I can't imagine somebody would make up Hadrian no but it's whatever he is <laughs> it's an old day whatever he is he's running the theater now and uh, he was happy with the results so my intention is to keep doing it uh, once every two or three months. Uh, uh, and the next movie I want to do is a movie called Torque. Mm-hmm. That, was that uh, a bike movie? That Adam Scott is in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Adam Scott. And, it's got bikes and cars. And Adam Scott is like, he's a detective team that's on this particular case. <laughs> a serious movie? And it kind of, it's kind of a comedy and kind of serious. But Adam, Adam's like the funniest in the movie because he kind of seems to get the, the tone of it. Like mm-hmm. he kind of knows it's a piece of crap and... And acts accordingly, and uh, but he's got a partner who I think is uh, the woman who played the wife of the uh, Hispanic coroner on Six Feet Under. I think <laughs> it's that kind of thing, like where it's just like yeah. a random character actress is his partner, and they're chasing after these dudes that are uh, you know having, having these having these, <laughs> it up. Yeah, yeah, having these uh, you know fights and and uh, street racing and all sorts of stuff. So it's got like crazy stunts in it. It's kind of like. I don't know. I don't think McGee directed it, but it's kind of like he clearly was standing around telling people what to do because it's kind it of really McGee familiar. vibe to it. Yeah. yeah, I forget who directed it, but anyway, was it like an answer to Fast and Furious or something? It was. I don't was know it, what it was. Fast an answer and Furious to a question. It was an answer yeah. to. Yes. Yeah, it was an answer Why? to a was question. The question. 
It was definitely an answer to a question nobody asked because nobody saw the movie. Nobody really remembers it. But it it does have some really funny stuff in it. But it also has, I think, enough downtime that we could do it. And I think that that sort of gave us a little extra license uh, or it just made it more interesting to fuck around with one of the cast members right there doing it with but us. But do you think it has to be a movie that people are familiar with, though? I mean, like, part of the fun of Friday the 13th Part 3 is I, I, I imagine that most people that came to that knew that movie. So can people watch a movie they've never seen before and, and I still... I think so, because it's got to be a Yeah, but Mystery Science Theater was always colossally bad movies, like yeah. nothing good about them. You know, like where even if a character tried to make a joke, it wouldn't get a laugh. Whereas Torque actually has some intentionally funny stuff in it. Friday the 13th 3D, you know, had a couple of good gross-out moments that we uh, got to, got uh, to do have you mean fun the, with. Do you mean the harpoon in the eye? Yeah, but we got to have fun with it because uh, they've got a button on the projector at CineFamily to just quickly show things like it's like TiVo. So like we'd be like, let's see that again. They'd oh, show that's us awesome. like so every time somebody died violently, we'd watch it five or six. See the harpoon go into the oh, eye five times. That's great. Or whatever, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if any of that'll go on with Torque, but um, but yeah, that's my intention is to try to meet people that are in movies that I like that are kind of funny, bad, but not not terrible. But also, I just think doing it with a great movie, it would have to be a certain great movie. Mm-hmm. Like I bet you we could have fun with. It's too long, but we would have fun with something like Gone with the Wind. Because as serious as it is, it doesn't it doesn't hold up to a modern sense. Of I it. should see if Rain Wilson would come and we could do, do House of a Thousand Corpses. <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's that would be that's an obvious good one because it's the movie's engaging, but also talking through it wouldn't. Work. But and there's a lot. I think there are a lot. There's an, there's enough. You're right. Horror sci-fi is perfect because there's enough tension moments where you can like the, the, you can talk through that. Through yeah, that stuff. whenever somebody's like in Friday the Thirteenth Three, it was amazing how often people were looking for something. <laughs> you know, they're looking for somebody else, or they're looking for you know, like walking into a barn for no reason. There's just people wandering around and saying, and like whatever, whatever's they're looking for, they keep repeating it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and is anyone there? Yeah. Like, there's a this lot is of funny. That. Come on. Yeah, so there was a lot of room for us. <laughs> oh, I'm to, dead. Yeah. For us to play. But did you notice the lady, the actress that was in the movie that Larry pointed out to us was there, and we introduced her at the mm-hmm. beginning? Yeah. She didn't stick around after it was over. She, but she was very nice afterwards. I saw her. She was her. happy. Yes, she okay, was happy. Good. And the guy that she was with was like, "Oh, this was so much fun." Awful about her at some point. Oh no, I, I mean, surely she, you can't. You, she certainly couldn't be like, how could they trample over my art? Like, yeah, I'm sure it wasn't. After, like, a bad line reading her and I, hers, I probably, like, mockingly did her voice and went, I want a dick in my mouth or whatever. <laughs> you should do uh, the I'm movie I'm sure Rad. I said something horrible. Rad? Yeah, because actually uh, my, my buddy Sarah Haskins uh, is engaged to the guy who wrote it. So that might be kind of fun for you to do. That sounds good. So we're already it, getting suggestions from people. On, on so so Doug Benson. Got to show this movie. So we can find you. We can find you. Sound like that? We yeah. can find you all over the place. We can find you on Netflix with Super Jaime. We can find you are, uh, TV. Are you and Graham going to do another uh, some more of, of your your show? Well, you know, interestingly, the we did a pilot uh, called or a special for G Four called The High Road, mm-hmm. and it just it took forever for them to you know they grappled with it for a long time, and I give them credit for making this special to begin with but ultimately g4 you know the network that does 420 day every year they had to pass on doing it as a series because they didn't want to finance something that is essentially a glorification of uh, illegal drugs which is you which is essentially me yes so you might not see me on the channel much it's your in, brand in general but uh, but like you know, and I've been trying to explain this to people. They they say, but they show Super Jaime over and over again. And I go, yes, but they didn't acquire Super Jaime. And in the case of the High Road, uh, 
they made it, but they can kind of distance themselves because they don't advertise it that it's showing at all. They just kind of spring it on. And then also every time I smoke, we had to edit it in a way that every time I smoke, I refer to it as medical marijuana mm-hmm. while I'm doing it. And that would have been... I guess I better start medical marijuana-ing. Yeah. yeah that would be a strain on a series to, yeah. to have to do that all the time. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, but they didn't even... They didn't even put it out there like that. They didn't say, hey, you can do like a lesser version of it. They just, right, right, right. They just said, we can't do this show. We can't do it on a weekly basis. So now we're just sort of uh, looking into the idea of, you know, essentially the high road was just super high me continued. And so now I just want to kind of continue the high road back into feature films. I want to try to get a, a movie version of Graham and I on the road together uh, off the ground. And that's part of the plan this summer with the pot the vote thing. Okay, so there's we're gonna try to film that tour. So there's that, and then also Doug loves movies, which is uh, which is hugely popular on iTunes, uh, your podcast, and then also the interruption, which people should see uh, if you're in LA, June 14th, and then D- D- Doug Benson's movie interruption, which you should come see the next time that happens. Um, <laughs> and, and you're at Doug Benson on Twitter. Are you yeah. at DougBenson.com? No, there's Doug Love, DougLovesMovies.com is a way if you don't want to go through the iTunes to... Uh, I think Doug's also still one of the last it. people on MySpace. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm holding up that you for You love it. I love MySpace because I get friend requests every day still. If the friend yeah. requests stop coming in, I would, I would dump it or certainly pay less attention to you it. You've got to accept those friendships because who else are you going to talk about tap-out shirts with? Right. But also, once you're in with the, once you've accepted them and vice versa, you can have, be, you know, trying to converse on Twitter is a pain in the ass, you know, because I don't want to follow somebody just so we can DM Right, right, right. So I have to, I, that's a great place to send them to is let's just go to MySpace and you can write all you want in your letter to me, and I'll read it, and then I'll write all I want back to you. There's mm-hmm. no restrictions. Am I still on your top friends? I think you are. Nice. Yeah, I haven't changed my top friends. I, I only uh, I update the tour thing. I'll put a new album on the page when a new album. What's funny out. is you go to people's pages and the top friends is like gaps. <laughs> people people who dropped out. Yeah. I still have mine. Yeah. I still have yeah. mine on there. All right. Yeah, cool. and you know the people that are coming to you know to, and sending me friend requests on there. There's a very specific thing that's happening like you just look at their picture and you go oh yeah they probably either smoke pot or go to a lot of movies and it's mostly the, the pot smokers mm-hmm. are uh, I, I think the pot smokers are taking over MySpace because it's gotten so quiet there <laughs> you could fucking that run that place you could be the president place, of MySpace yeah. Doug Benson you oh, just run around I, I'm not kidding if I looked at it right now I'd have five or six new friend requests without really this is one of the few times I've ever even really talked about it lately there's some like there's uh, these uh, these MySpace sympathizers who, with all this Facebook stuff, are like, See? This is why I stayed here at MySpace. No privacy I'm just waiting for issues. A, uh, like a retro flashback, so because I'm still on Friendster, and like I'm going to be so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Friendster really still going? Oh, it's still around. Know. Yeah, it's still Friendster still I'll, around. I'll, I'll, I'll occasionally, because I don't have the email that I signed up with Friendster or MySpace, so I, it's, I can't cancel them. Because I canceled that email address. You so can Friendster, upload a picture to Friendster. Is Friendster like mostly older people then, or? Uh, I don't. I think it might just be Rob Schneider. I think it's all just <laughs> skeletons. Skeletons, ghosts. skeletons, and ghosts. ghosts. Yeah, I didn't even realize Friendster was still a possibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's still there. So when I got out of there, there. I, I burned it down. I canceled my account. Yeah. 
Well, Doug, thank you very much for coming back and do. This was a super fun podcast, by the way. Yeah. I think that was great. I, you know, it wasn't as good as the one that didn't work out. But you'll never know that, America. <laughs> Can you imagine if know. I actually really thought of it that way? Like, man, you guys fucked up and ruined the good one. This one will do, I guess. I mean, as long as it's my voice out there promoting my stuff, I don't give a fuck. But seriously, <laughs> way to way to fucking ruin the good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, Let's talk more about I, this, I, I this happy, particular podcast. I was happy we got to do it again and that it went so well. And He's waiting to turn it off. It's a lovely home you have here. Yeah, oh, yeah. Nice. You know, my favorite part of the podcast Chris. was minute 15. Where did we stop them? <laughs> The Did you keep the notes? Did you keep the notes? Yes, I kept minutes. I am the minute taker. Say goodbye. Bye. The end. Smelting or chemical reduction is a form of extractive metallurgy. Smelting. The main use of smelting is to produce a metal from its ore. Smelting makes use of a chemical reducing agent to change the oxidation state of the metal ore. The carbon or carbon monoxide derived from smelting removes oxygen from the ore to leave the metal. Smelted carbon is oxidized, producing carbon dioxide and carbon monoxide. As most ores are impure, it is often necessary in smelting to use flux, such as limestone, to remove the slag. I'm super, I'm fucking, I'm super fucking high.
leavingnerdist.com. In 2001, less than a month after the 9-11 attacks, the U.S. and allied forces invaded Afghanistan. The goal was simple, hunt down al-Qaeda and its leader, Osama bin Laden, and unseat the Taliban government that sheltered him. But even though the Taliban was quickly removed, negotiating an end to the war turned out to be a much bigger challenge. Despite some of the world's best negotiators working tirelessly for peace, all sides were never able to come to a negotiated agreement. And in 2021, 20 years after being ousted from power, the Taliban took back control of Afghanistan. So why did some of the world's smartest and most experienced negotiators fail for 20 years to mediate a peace deal in Afghanistan? The Afghan Impasse, a special seven-episode edition of The Negotiators, a podcast from Doha Debates and Foreign Policy, looks back on the players, politics, and strategies that contributed to one of the biggest failures in modern peace negotiations. You can listen to The Negotiators, The Afghan Impasse, exclusively on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify.